0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we will get started this morning. Father, thank you so much for your word. I'm thankful that we have the truth, we have a guide that uh, can lead us and direct us. Thank you for your spirit. Uh, We have been praying that your spirit would move mightily in our midst this morning. And, uh, Lord, once again, we just wanted to give you space um, to speak to the hearts and minds of people. And I pray that the spirit and truth, that your spirit would speak and that the truth of your word would speak. And that we, as humans, our hearts would respond to that truth, and we would submit. and We would be ready now um, by surrendering and submitting to you uh, as our God. And I love you. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And I just pray that we would never, ever take that for granted. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And it's great to have you with us this morning. And uh, I wanted to just start by giving God some praise and thanking Him for the work He did in people's lives last Sunday. I actually had an interaction um, with a young, uh, beautiful lady. It was my wife. And uh, um, after the service, and, and she came up, and her parents were in town visiting, and she said, She said, babe, um, we went up and lit some candles, but it wasn't necessarily for prodigals returning. It was actually for some loved ones that have yet to come to faith. Was that okay? And I'm like, no, doesn't count. Those were the candles that went out. Um, absolutely, absolutely it was okay. And so we had a lot of different types of responses last Sunday. People praying for prodigals that um, have yet to return to faith. Maybe they've strayed. Maybe they've wandered. We've had people praying for loved ones, friends, family that have yet to come to faith. Um, we had people baptized, like Pastor Chris already said. we had prodigals return. Man, it was just a really, really special day, and I just wanted to thank God and praise Him for that. Uh, I also want to take a moment this morning to brag really quickly on one of our small groups here at Grace. Uh, One of our families here at Grace Church has had a very difficult month, you could say. Um, Jennifer Haig, a lot of you know her. Uh, One of our moms who's expecting had to be uh, life-flighted to Denver because her baby was coming too soon and uh, the hospital here in Durango couldn't handle the situation, so they flew her to Denver in the Hague small group, and they stepped up, they stepped in, and they rallied, and they supported the Hague family, and uh, the families from that small group, they jumped in to watch their daughter. One of the men drove Wilson up to Denver um, due to the fact that Wilson was working in Texas and hadn't slept in a very long time, and then Another family went up to Denver to be there with them through the difficult time. And not to mention the communication that took place with people in the small group, with me and the other pastors to pray for them, to rally prayer support around them. And the response of the small group was immediate and it was effective. And it was awesome. And it was actually a very beautiful thing to watch. Uh, And this is one, church, this is one of many stories that have taken place in the small group ministries here at Grace Church. People loving each other and physically helping each other through the difficult seasons of life. Let me give a quick plug for the importance of small groups. And I want to I say this for those of you that are not in a small group. Uh, maybe for some of you who don't see the value in being in a small group. First of all, because of small groups, We've seen much greater involvement here at Grace Church. More people are studying God's Word together. More people are fellowshipping together. And more people are building godly friendships. More people are worshipping together. And more people are praying together. It's awesome. We're seeing more and more involvement. Because of small groups, the people of God are better taken care of. If If it were up to me to physically take care of all the needs that arise on a weekly basis here at Grace Church, I am going to hand in my resignation, okay? Because it's impossible for one guy to take care of all the situations. I just mentioned the Hague family. Please continue to pray for her. Um, She was asking us to pray for four more weeks. She's getting close to that, all right? Pray that the baby is uh, delivered safely. But in that one situation, there was child care, there was a trip to Denver, there was prayer support, there was meals. There was In that one situation, if it was up to me, my head would have exploded. Okay, But yet, the small group rallied around them. And because of small groups, people are better taken care of. So when there's a new birth, when there's sickness in the family, uh, when there's a death in the family, when there's a job promotion, whatever it may be, Those things are shared with the small group, and the group responds with love, with empathy, and with care. The group provides meals and any other immediate physical needs that may be present. So because of small groups, our church is much healthier. And let me say this, small groups also provide greater spiritual support. right? Because things are happening Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. Things are happening throughout the week for us to support one another spiritually. It's hard for people to slip through the cracks or to be lost in a crowd when they're involved in a healthy small group. So I strongly encourage you to be involved in a healthy small group. So I want to ask the question, how do I get involved in a healthy small group? We have a... uh, We have a next steps plan here at Grace Church. Um, We want to help you get connected. And so if this is you, if you want to get connected, you want to be a part of a a small group right here, you're sitting here this morning, you say, man, I, I want to be a part. How do I sign up? How do I get into a small group? Here's the next step that you should take. This is what I would highly recommend as your pastor is to take this step. And that is to sign up for the essential small group starting next Sunday morning, October 11th. What this is, is a group where you get to taste the small group experience. You get to uh, experience what a small group is like. You'll get connected with other people. And uh, so sign up for the essential small group starting next Sunday morning. It goes from 8 to 9.45. And uh, you can sign up. As a matter of fact, you can sign up. This is like a car commercial right here. Right now. Right now. You can sign up for the essential small group. So you can pull out your smartphone. Don't play Yahtzee, okay, while I'm speaking. But you can pull out your smartphone, go to gracedurango.com, and click the Next Steps tab, and then uh, you'll see Essential Small Group come down. You can sign up online right now, or you can sign up in the lobby after the service. Uh, but I just want to encourage you. That would be the next step for you. If you're not in a small group, get involved in the Essential Small Group. It's going to be really, really important for you to do so. Let me just say, if... if uh, we need community, all right? We need each other, and that's, that's the way uh, God intended it for us. One other thing I'd like to mention before we get into the sermon this morning is uh, our youth pastors, Megan and, uh, or Relan and Megan, uh, Wood rather, had a little baby girl on Friday. Yeah! Okay? So little Hattie and Michelle was born at 7.32 a.m., she was 7 pounds, 12 ounces, 19 inches long. She's happy and healthy. So we just celebrate with him. It was a really, really a joy to go and see her, to pray over her. And uh, so we just celebrate with the Wood family, their new addition. So today, we're starting a new three-week three series called Tough Questions. And as you grow older, the questions get tougher. Okay? The questions my boys asked me when they were two and three We're not as difficult as the questions that they're asking me now that they're 12 and 14. This is true for children in school. The questions get tougher as they advance. And this is also true for every believer. As you grow in your faith, sometimes the questions get tougher, more and more difficult. The past few weeks, you've had the opportunity to submit some tough questions and you didn't leave us wanting. There were some really good, really tough questions that were submitted and before I jump into one of the tough questions that was submitted, I want to I lay some groundwork. Okay, I want to lay some foundation for us, for this series, to help us as Christians as we face some really tough questions that will come our way. Not might, they will come our way. So the Bible says that we as a church, we're all supposed to be unified. We're all supposed to be going the same direction. But with all of our different backgrounds, our different upbringings, our different viewpoints, our different cultures, our different perspectives, did I mention that we're all different? How in the world is this unity thing supposed to work? In order to be in true community, we have to have unity. And the scripture says, let there be no division among you. So I want to start out by asking, like, did God raise the bar too high? I mean, is this something that he was asking us to do that is impossible? Is unity, no divisions, even possible? I believe it is. I believe it is. At Grace Church, we live by this statement. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. Now it's important to remember that unity does not mean uniformity. Okay, We're not all going to look alike, talk alike, think alike. There is great strength in diversity. But we must be unified. We must be going the same direction. So how does this work? In order for us to be unified, spirit and truth... Has to be the authority. Has to be. The Bible and the Spirit of God is the authority, the foundation of our faith and practice. So let's let's talk quickly about the essentials and the non-essentials of our faith. In the essentials, we have to have unity. So what are the essentials? The essentials are the core beliefs that make a difference in going to heaven or not. The Bible. Let me just say this. If the Bible is dogmatic, we have to be dogmatic. If the Bible says, don't do that, we try not to do that. If the Bible says, do this, we try to do that. Okay? It's pretty simple. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. So what are the non-essentials? The non-essentials are things that you and I can disagree on, We can even have some healthy debates on. And both you and I can still go to heaven. Right? That's a non-essential. See, my fear is, church, my fear is that we get so caught up in being right. So caught up in being right that we actually become useless. Kelly Kosky, our, our missionary in South Africa, he told me that he's never gotten into an argument with people in the trans sky about whether or not they were Calvinist or Arminian. He's never gotten in an argument with the people in the trans sky about whether they were post-trib, mid-trib, or pre-trib. Because they don't care. They could care less. They just want to know about you. Sadly, sometimes we get so caught up on the non essentials, we forget about Jesus. Some other examples of non essentials would be music styles. Okay? Music you heard this morning, we could have done a thousand uh, different other styles, and it would have been okay. Music styles are non essentials. What about what you wear to church? The Bible says to be modest, but there's liberty in that. Modesty is what the Bible holds to as a standard. What about watching R-rated movies? Have you not seen Braveheart, right? That's a good one. What about what version of the Bible you use? Whether or not you drink alcohol? Some of you need to stay miles away from it. Some of you, there's liberty. And our prayer is that we'll be unified, but not uniformed. Churches that I walk into and everyone looks exactly alike freak me out. I don't know about you, they freak me out. That's not what God intended. We, our prayer is that we will be unified but not uniform. So in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. Some of you might, might be saying, Okay, hey, give, me, give me another essential. Another essential from the scriptures is Jesus is God, right? We believe Jesus is God. That's an essential because the Bible is dogmatic about it. There's things that the Bible is very clear on, we have to be very clear on So with that said, let me me share with you one of the tough questions that we received that we're going to cover today. And the question was this. Where do you draw the line in standing up for what you believe? Where do you draw the line in standing up for what you believe? And how do you love but not support their sin? Man, that's a great question. Good job, whoever wrote that. It wasn't the name on it. How do we love those who are far from God but not support their sin? I was actually conflicted this week. Chris actually got up and said, you know, that I'm going to talk about specifically homosexuality and I'm going to talk about uh, sexual sins and that type of thing and and, and honestly that's the direction that I was heading but I believe the spirit changed my course because church I want to say as clearly as I know how that sin is sin and I think some of us we elevate one sin because it's a hot topic in our culture, it's in the news it's a hot button, so we elevate that sin above other sins and we think it's more severe, it's, it's causing greater damage. Sin, sin. It's not like this, it's like this. So I want to start by going to one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible concerning love. And where, where I'm going this morning in my thought process is, is more thinking about how do we love sinners? How do we love people who are far from God? How do we radically love? And so I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when it comes to loving people, this chapter lays it out quite nicely. We've actually been in this chapter a few times over the past couple months. But let me just say this. I think we could camp out here for a couple years and do just fine. So listen to these words, 1 Corinthians 13. If I or if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not loved, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope and love abide these three but the greatest of these is love so let there be no doubt about it today love is the greatest value of the christian faith there was a time jesus was challenged to boil christianity down to his absolute core and jesus said that's easy Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And love people. Love your neighbor. Love people. The Apostle Paul once made a list of the qualities that the Holy Spirit most wants to produce in the life of every Christ follower. And at the top of the list, in Galatians 5.22, is love. So in answering the question of how do we love those who are far from God? How do we love those who have strayed? How do we love those who are deep in sin? Whatever that sin may be, how do we love people who are far from God? We must remember that our core value, the core value of the Christian faith, is love. It's love. It's important to remember at one time We were all far from God. We were all far from God at one time. There's none righteous. No, not one. You can love much when you understand how much you are loved. You can forgive much when you understand that you've been forgiven. Jesus radically loved those who were far from God. And knowing that His Father is impartial, Jesus showed radically inclusive love. He's the perfect example for us to follow. So let's see and let's look to Jesus and let's see how He handled Himself around those people who we consider to be far from His Father. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because He first loved us. We're even capable of loving only because God loved us. This verse expresses the idea that the more aware we are of God's radical love for us, the more radical our love will be towards others. So when we realize how far from God we were or we are, when we realize how awesome God's love for us is, the easier it is to extend that same love towards other people. The more aware we are of God's love towards us, the less judgmental we are. The kinder we are, the more patient we are, the more likely we are to assume the best about people, because we've been transformed ourselves by this radical, undeserving love from God. This morning, I want to walk you through a passage in the New Testament that brilliantly shows the extent and the depth of God's love for us. The text that we're going to look at is Luke's, Luke 15. And the context is this. Jesus one day was having prolonged and very deep conversations with non-religious people. People who were very far from God by their own admission. Jesus was hanging out with them and He was befriending them. And the Pharisees didn't like it. Okay, The Pharisees, the overly religious people of that day observed Jesus' interaction with these far-from-God people, and they started bad-mouthing Him. They started bad-mouthing Jesus, saying, He claims to be the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, but God's Son would never have these types of conversations with the worthless, the scum of society. These people are worthless. They're godless. They're pathetic. They're a waste. Jesus being fully God he knew what they were thinking so he he leaves the the crowd he leaves the conversations with the non-religious people and he walks over to the pharisees and Jesus shares three stories with the pharisees you've probably heard these three stories from Luke 15 but the pharisees had never heard of them this was the first time that they had heard these stories from the mouth of Jesus They were hearing these three stories for the very first time. The first story Jesus shared is about a shepherd with a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep wanders off into the darkness. And when the shepherd realizes that one is missing, he leaves the 99 and he searches everywhere until he locates the lost sheep. When he finds the lost sheep, he doesn't beat the sheep. He picks up the little lost lamb and he brings it back to the rest of the flock. He then invites his friends and his neighbors to a party because his sheep was lost, but now it's been found. So in honor, so in the honor of the sheep, he invites everyone to come and celebrate. The second story Jesus shared with the Pharisees is about a woman who had only ten coins left to live on. She loses one of the coins and literally turns her house upside down to find the missing coin. She finally finds the missing coin, and when she does, she calls all of her friends and says, I'm throwing a party tonight. I had lost a tenth of all I had to live on, but I found the missing coin. Please come and celebrate it. The third story is is the best known of all the stories. It's a story that I read to you last Sunday. A man has two sons. The younger one wants his full inheritance from his father right now. And this was a very disrespectful and shameful thing to do in the Middle East at that time. But the father grants his request and the son runs off with his pockets full of cash but the money doesn't last long because he blows all of it on sinful, wasteful living. And after all the money's gone, the only way the kid can support himself is with a minimum wage job feeding pigs. And one day, the slop that he's feeding the pigs begins to look really good to him. At which point, the Bible says, he came to his senses. At that time, the son made the good decision to return home and as he's traveling home he thinks about how ticked off his dad's going to be so he comes up with a plan and the plan is to apologize for the inheritance disaster that he caused and sneak away into the servant's bunkhouse because he knows he barely deserves even that. as he approaches his home he sees an older man running at him full speed when he realizes it's it's his dad, the son thinks, oh dang, he must be really ticked. But when the father reaches his son, with tears running down his cheeks, he throws his arms around his son and says, welcome home, son. Welcome home. I've, I've missed you. I love you. When they walk back to the ranch, the father throws the party of all parties. He puts the finest clothes on his son. He puts the family ring on his finger, and he tells everyone, my son is home. My boy's back. My boy's back. Jesus shares these three stories with the religious Pharisees. What's interesting is this. Jesus shared these three stories, but he doesn't expound. He doesn't go point by point with them explaining what these stories mean. So why did Jesus tell these stories? What what was he trying to communicate to these Pharisees? There is a common theme in each of these three stories. In each story, something winds up missing. A sheep, a coin, a son ends up missing. But there's more to it than that. It's more than just something ends up missing. That which was missing really, really matters to someone. The sheep really matters to the shepherd. The coin really matters to the woman. And the son really matters to the father. That which was missing was worth an all-out search to find it. Jesus told these stories to the Pharisees because they were bothered by the fact that he was hanging out with those who were lost. Those who the society looked down upon. Those who were far from God. And what Jesus did by the clever way of telling these stories is this. He was saying to the Pharisees, listen, fellas, listen. Those people far from God, the people that you can't stand right over there... Yeah, those, those irreverent, unbelieving skeptics that you would love to rid the world of, those people really matter to my Father. They may not matter to you. They may annoy you. But my Father feels about them the same way the shepherd felt about his lost sheep, the same way the woman felt about her lost coin, and the same way the father felt for his prodigal son. Listen, Pharisees. My father radically loves those unbelieving men and women right over there. Radically loves them. Church, the fact is, God really, really loves Every single person really matters to God. So so therefore, get this, okay? Get this. If they matter so much to God, they should probably matter more to you and to me. If they matter immensely to the Father, they should matter more to you and to me. When it comes to different sins, Issues in our society. Hot buttons, you know? When it comes to certain types of sins, a lot of us land in the right place theologically. We have the right answers. But we land in those places for the wrong reasons. We'll say things like, it's wrong because it's gross. It's wrong because it's nasty. Like the Pharisees, some of us will even make fun of people who struggle with sin that's different from our own. But when someone starts to pick on our sin, well, watch out, Hey, okay? We're going to get all uptight and offended. Church, sin is sin. And we should love because He first loved us. Do you understand the love that God has for all people? All people. When it comes to people who are far from God, do you have the ah, that's not my problem mentality. That's not my problem. Man, I'm so glad I don't struggle with that. Woo! Dang. Wow. That's not my problem, man. They're just like they're in a different league. I want to share one more story Jesus shared with people who thought they were better than others. Let's read Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. I just feel like I have to remind you, this is from Jesus, okay? Not from me. Then Jesus told this story, listen to this. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Grace Church, please don't let that be said of us. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector, an outcast of society. The Pharisee, verse 11, stood by himself and prayed this prayer. In some pious voice probably, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Verse 13. But the tax collector, the outcast of society, stood at a distance, probably kind of standing in the back corner, and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, God, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When you are are broken up about your own sin, you're more likely to have compassion for others who sin in different ways. When you look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, the the world looks different. People look different. And when you look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, your capacity to love will expand. People matter so much to the Father. He sent His own Son, Jesus, into the world to tell them. To tell them that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how deep of a hole you've dug it doesn't matter what you've snorted or who you've slept with. There is a Father in Heaven who loves you and is searching for you every hour of every day and He's hoping and He's waiting with great anticipation that you'll come home. And when you do, He will welcome you and He will forgive you and there will be a great party thrown heaven. You see, church, I was was going down the path of giving this great theological message message about why this one specific sin was wrong. Instead, I'm choosing to go a different path to say, you know what, sin is sin, and we need to love better as a church, and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting, and let the Word of God do the teaching. I want to ask you, You love people with the radical love of Jesus. Pastor, you don't know the situation, man. You don't know the details of the situation. You're right, I don't. That's why the Bible speaks about wisdom, seeking God, being on your knees and begging Him for direction. I can't, I can't give direction to every situation that God can I'm encouraging you, church, in in the difficult situations of loving those who have strayed or loving those who are just blatant with their sin, I'm encouraging you to seek God for your counsel. Seek God for your wisdom. Look to the Scriptures. Find out from Him how to handle the situation you're in. But I want to challenge you to love people with the radical love of Jesus. Can you you draw a line in the sand today and say, if God loves people so much, He would sacrifice his own son? Man, I I gotta I gotta start loving people better. And I gotta start loving people better because I love him and I want to honor him and I want to obey him. But but Justin, loving people is so inconvenient. No. But Justin, if you only knew this person, if you only knew what they did, Jesus said, love our enemy. Just the messenger. I'm the mailman. I don't get it sometimes. And just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to trust them. We need to see people through the eyes of Jesus And I believe, church, when we do, your world will be rocked. Church, let's practice. Let's practice loving radically. And instead of picking on the surface, let's focus more on the heart. How do I do that? How do I do that? myself that question a lot and the people that I interact with, the friendships that I have, people that are unchurched you know, it's like, how do I do that? How do I love radically where they, really, I'm not just pushing them farther from Jesus, but I'm trying to draw them in how do I do that? How do I love those who are far from God? And, and let me just applaud you church, first of all, if you're asking that question Because that means your heart is in the right place and you want to see them return home. I encourage you. That's the right motivation. That's the right heart attitude. How do I love people? You're asking the right questions. Good job. Let me just close with a few ideas and a few suggestions, okay? Do you want to love people who are far from God better? Let me remind you, the scripture says, love is patient. love is not rude oh, man, this, I can not there not a love is personally. love is kind. love is kind rude love is not rude love is not love does not demand love its own way. Love isn't jealous. Love is not irritable. Love isn't boastful. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love isn't proud. Love doesn't rejoice at injustice. Like, oh, I'm so glad they got there. Ah, oh, yeah. Love rejoices in the truth. Here's, here's, here's a really good one for some of us that lit candles last Sunday. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures. Love will last forever. And love is the greatest. Gosh. you come next Sunday, I might just preach that same section right there again. We're going to sing two songs, church, to close out the service today. I know I might get a couple emails like, why didn't you answer the question? I believe I did. We need love better. We don't have to prove ourselves right all the time. Jesus didn't say, hey, go into all the world and prove yourself right. And love is what's going to change account. The scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads men and women and children to repentance. It's His goodness, it's His kindness that draws us to Him. I want want more of God because He's so good. We're going to sing two songs, close out the service today, and I I just want to give a little direction. I'm trying to provide some space for the Spirit of God to speak to you to seek God. We're all facing different battles and different situations. Church, please use this time to seek the Lord and seek His counsel and His direction. I want to invite you This this altar up here. It's open at any time at Grace Church. You can come forward and pray. Sometimes it's just good to step out and pray. You're welcome anytime. But we're going to sing two songs and during the first song, I want you to just reflect on the sermon today. Reflect on love and Honestly, some of you need to repent because you're like the Pharisee Sadly, said you're landing in the right places theologically, but you're landing in the right places for the wrong reason. You haven't been motivated out of love. You, your motivation has been the prideful desire in your life to be right. Without love, It doesn't matter if you're right. It doesn't matter. Without love, it's nothing. Some of you need to make the decision to love people with the radical love of Jesus Christ. So reflect on the message. Listen to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you. Repent if you need to. The second song that we sing this morning is actually more of a declaration it's a declaration understanding that we can only love we can only show compassion because the one who is mighty to save has shown mercy on us I can can only be kind to others I can only be patient I can only love others like Christ loved me because he loved me first so use the space end of the service today to hear from God, to hear from the Lord to speak to Him let's be better at loving church. church I hope and pray the people will cloud a county of you like man, in that place there's something different they, they love each other how will they know we are Christians by our love one for another, right? let me pray Lord Jesus, I'm thankful You are the living God. Once again, I pray for my friends. I pray the Holy Spirit that you would save those who are far from you today. I pray you would give them the love of Jesus and a hatred for sin. I pray our church would continue to be more and more like Jesus and we would be a people filled with your love. Lord, fill this place with more and more people who are like Jesus. I pray that, we would just be better at being more gracious, kind, patient, long-suffering, gentle, just like 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. I pray that the fruit of the Spirit would be more evident in our life. It comes down to the reality, Lord. Help us to realize that we can't point fingers of judgment to others because we, too, ourselves are sinners who have strayed far from God stroke, and struggling and messed up.